So when a traditional Jew prays out of the prayer book every day, what kind of prayers does he pray? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on our Thoroughly Jewish Thursday broadcast here on The Line of Fire. So excited to share some really interesting information with you. So excited to take your Jewish-related calls. And, and please, to all of those who are posting on YouTube, posting on Facebook, posting elsewhere, putting out videos, writing articles, whatever, attacking my positions on Jewish people, the return of the Jewish people to the land, quote, Zionism, my views about Talmud and Jewish tradition, call me. Phone lines are open. Call me. All right, let's talk. Tell, tell me why you think I'm wrong. 866-34-TRUTH. Or if you've heard things that disturb you and you're trying to sort them out, give me a call. 866-348-7884. Any Jewish-related question is quite welcome today. Just to let you know, I reached out through my assistant, Dylan, to True News again yesterday. And I said, initially, when I confronted their anti-Semitic views, they invited me to come on their TV show. And I said, absolutely, as long as Rick Wiles will come on mine. If not, let's do a formal debate. They declined the invitation. And they said, we don't want to debate. We want you to rebuke Ben Shapiro. Anyway, so I, I told Dylan, you know, the stakes are so high. And what they're saying is so ugly and so wrong. Let's reach out to them again and tell them I'm willing to come on their show and discuss what I believe are their anti-Semitic views. I'm willing to come on their show as long as they'll guarantee me equal time. So however much time their panel talks, I get to talk, and that they guarantee in writing that they will air the show without editing it. Thanks, but no thanks. They declined. There's someone else we keep being told, he's reaching out to you, you're not reaching out to him, why aren't you accepting his invitation? Never received an invitation. So I just asked my assistant Dylan, reach out to someone. So in other words, someone attacking me, criticizing me, Great. Let's, let's talk. Let's have a discussion. Let's put the facts on the table. Maybe you can learn from me. Maybe I can learn from you. Maybe we can learn from each other. Maybe our audiences can learn. Let's do it. Where there's error, let's expose it. That's always my heart. That's always my heart. You know, I, 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 I do have to thank some of you, though. We've got our faithful listeners and friends. You pray for us. You stand with us. And it, it's awesome. And we're in this together. And boy, the testimonies that come in, the lives that are changed, I, I can't tell you how gratifying and amazing it is to hear what we hear in terms of the good news and testimonies and lives changed and Jewish people coming to faith and so on. And, and just got off the phone with a friend who's seeing amazing fruit in Israel. And we're talking about ways to partner together to reach more Jewish people with the good news. So exciting news. So, so many of you, thank you for praying, standing with us, supporting us together, together. We're making an amazing difference by God's grace. So thank you. And, and I want to thank some others. It's a small minority but for bringing a smile to my face with some of the most ridiculous accusations I've ever seen. I, I just saw one because I, I, I can't read comments most places, but I, I do see a lot of YouTube comments and, you know, they're getting more and more and more, but I, I do see them. And, and, uh, there was one guy who was responding to a video where I was being attacked by some folks. And he said, you know, I've got a degree in psychology and whatever. I've been at this for a while and I can tell this Brown, he does it all for the money. 
So, I mean, you get these funny posts. So thank you for bringing a smile to my face. 866-34-TRUTH. Okay. Uh, Before I go to your calls and get into some other material, I, I, I want you to know what Jewish literature is about. I did not grow up as a traditional Jew. So I grew up in a, in a fairly nominal Jewish home. That's what I thought Judaism was. You went to synagogue on the high holy days. Every so often you went for a special Sabbath service. Before you're 13, you go to Hebrew school for a few years. Then you get bar mitzvah. Then you do the same with your kids. I thought that was Judaism. And then I got saved in this church where, you know, we were in church Sunday school, Sunday morning, Monday night, Tuesday night, Friday night. Then we had it Sunday night. We had it Wednesday night, praying for hours, sharing the gospel with everyone. And a rabbi said to me, look, Mike, you, you're, you're a very sincere Jew. You're a very sincere spiritual person, but you're wrong in your spirituality. You need to meet Jews who are just as devout as you are, but they're right. I, I thought Judaism was this wishy-washy nominal thing. And when I met traditional Jews that were really, really traditional, that, that challenged me. Because now you know, they prayed for hours and they studied for hours and they believed in holiness and they believed in loving God and what made me right. I couldn't even read Hebrew, etc. The little I'd learned, I'd forgotten. Well, that, that genuinely challenged me. And that, that caused me to dig deeper and study in prayer and, and get deeper answers beyond the answers that I had up to that point. Thank God we've been sharing those answers for decades now with great fruit among our people. But the point is, I didn't grow up learning mission and Talmud. I didn't grow up praying out of the prayer book. And when you get into the Mishnah, which is the, the foundational compilation of laws and traditions dating to about 200 years after the time of Jesus, and then the Talmud, which builds on that with commentary and explanation and ties things back to scripture and brings in folklore and other things, you start studying that, it's very dense legal material. You know, you're reading through, say, in the book of Leviticus, and the opening chapter is about sacrifices, and every detail, you bring it like this, you bring it like this, and part of this, and part of this, or the building of the tabernacle, uh, and, and how to do that, beginning in, in Exodus 25, and this, and that is detailed, and sometimes you, you, know, you might be reading, it's like, oh, I I'd rather be reading the Psalms or the Gospel of John. This seems dry. Well, rabbinic literature is that on steroids. It is that in detail and studied more and more and more. And look, here, let me just give you an example. And then I want to go over to the prayer book, which is very different, which is very, very different. And I want to talk to you about a, a deep experience I had many years ago that's come back to me many a time. But let's just take a look at, in the Mishnah, Right, so this is compiled about 200 years after the time of Jesus. This is the tractate on Shabbat. There's six orders of the Mishnah, six different major subject headings, and then 63 tractates total. These would be like books of the Bible. And they're divided into chapter and, and verse, or chapter and then small Mishnah, meaning a verse. So this is the beginning of the tractate on the Sabbath. Uh, so I'll, I'll read the beginning in Hebrew, then I'll take it from there in English. Alright, so here it is in, in English, rather than reading all the Hebrew and losing most of you. Uh, there are two types of transfers on Shabbat, which amount to four inside, and two which amount to four outside. How so? You think, whoa, 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 where's this coming from, and why is it just starting here? Well, you're not allowed to carry on the Sabbath, Jeremiah 17. What does that mean? Carry a burden? Is that a specific kind of work? How does that work out legally? If there was a death penalty for working on the Sabbath, what is work? Should we know that? And these traditions were developed and allegedly given to Moses on Mount Sinai to explain to the people 
So traditional Jew believes that this is how the Israelites lived in Moses' day. Of course, I don't accept that at all. All right, so there are two types of transfers on Shabbat, which amount to four inside and two which amount to four outside. How so? Well, this is illustrated by a poor person standing outside and a homeowner standing inside. If the poor person reaches his hand inside and puts something into the hand of the homeowner or takes something from the hand and brings it outside, the poor person is liable and the homeowner is exempt. So the poor person is carried and the homeowner hasn't. If the homeowner reaches his hand outside and puts something into the hand of the poor person who takes something from the hand and brings it inside, the homeowner is liable and the poor person is exempt. If the poor person reaches his hand inside and the homeowner takes something from it or puts something into it and the poor person brings it outside, they're both exempt. If the homeowner reaches his hand outside and the poor person takes something from it or puts something into it and the homeowner brings it inside, they are both exempt. All right, now, now, this is just the beginning of the beginning of the beginning of the beginning. It gets more and more detailed. It breaks down 39 subdivisions of labor. So where did they get that from? 39 subdivisions of labor. Who came up with that? Well, when you read in the Torah, in the midst of the laws about building the tabernacle, in Exodus, the 31st chapter, it says, keep the Sabbath. So in other words, don't build the tabernacle on the Sabbath. Even though you're doing sacred work, don't do it on the Sabbath. So then the rabbi said, okay, what is involved with building a tabernacle? And they came up with 39 different things that would be considered work. And, and those are now the subdivisions. And then those get broken down. And, and then, then, and this is the, the easy part, the beginning easy part. And then, I mean, this is a, a long tractate. And, and it builds on that. And then, then you get into the Talmud, which begins to comment on and explain. And this rabbi said that, and that rabbi said that. And, and it, if you are not into studying this, you'll think this is the most boring stuff. This is unbelievably just detailed and loses me. And who cares about this and that? To a traditional Jew, it's very holy because these are God's laws. To a traditional Jew, the holiness is in the details. For me, as, as, a, as a Messianic Jew, as a, as a follower of Jesus, I appreciate the zeal. I appreciate the devotion to God's law and to this belief that these traditions are sacred as well. But I do not find spiritual life in this. I, I do not find spiritual renewal. I'm just being utterly candid. I'm not a Talmudic Jew. And, but this is the bulk of Talmud, discussions like this, except way more complex. Okay, on a scale of, of one to a hundred, you know, this is maybe a three, and it gets to a hundred in terms of complexity and difficulty. You say, well, why do it? Well, to a traditional Jew, it would be like a mathematician giving a test to his class or her class, and, and you've got 10 different equations, and they're really difficult, and, and, you know, X to the four of this, and three to the two of this, and just, you know, and detailed, and it's, you know, trig- trigonometry or, or the mathematical basis for physics and stuff. And it, it, there, there's, no, there's no moral goal in, in terms of why are you doing this? You're doing this to learn math. You're doing this because math in itself is a pure science and you're, you're learning from that and developing your mathematical skills. So the same way these legal arguments are sharpening one's legal thinking. That's, that's the mentality. You are, you are sharpening your legal thinking. And Joshua 1.8, God told Joshua, don't let this book of teaching, this book of Torah, the law, depart from your mouth, but 
meditate on it day and night, meaning recite it, repeat it, speak it day and night. Psalm 1, the, the man that's blessed by God, the man that's truly happy, right? His delight is in the Torah, the teaching, the law of the Lord, right? And in his Torah, in his teaching, he meditates day and night, meaning he speaks it, repeats it, recites it. So a traditional Jew, that's what they believe they're doing. I say, no, no, you've added traditions that, that often go against the spirit of the word or, or stop life in the spirit. So, yeah, I have my deep differences with the traditional community. That's what the bulk of Talmud is about. And then it ties in illustration, stories, folklore, ties things back to scripture. That's how it gets into other subjects, which are often fascinating to read. But the great bulk has caught up with legalese like this. Not the prayer book. The prayer book is very different. We'll be right back. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, I was waiting for the Jewish music. Didn't get the Jewish music today. Okay, it's still Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Any Jewish-related call, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. I want to make a confession then I want to share some exciting news with you. Then we're going to the phones. Then we're going to get into the Jewish prayer book. All right. <clears throat> Confession. I'm guilty. Yeah, I, I believe that God brought the Jewish people back to the land. I'm a Zionist. Yeah, I'm guilty. <gasps> That's a heresy. You know, people actually call it a heresy. Seriously. The heresy. of We found out you're a Zionist. You haven't known, I believe, God keeps his word. You haven't known, I believe, God's faithful. You haven't known that I believe that despite our sins and failings as a people, God has mercilessly, mer- merc- mercifully kept us. As the world has mercilessly attacked us, God has mercifully kept us, preserved us, brought us back to the land, not because of our goodness, but because of his, not because of our reputation, but because of his. Yeah, I believe God's faithful. I confess, I believe God keeps his word, and he does it by his grace, not by our goodness. I believe it. Now, some exciting news. I know how much you appreciate what we're able to do with our radio broadcast and our live stream video and the numerous videos and articles we put out every week to be your resource, to be your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual evolution, to help equip you, serve you, give you tools to use equip you and give you understanding in terms of Israel and the Jewish roots of the faith. As I've traveled around the country for years, folks will often tell me, oh, my favorite show is on Thursday or Friday, Q&A or, or Thirdly Jewish Thursday. That's what we, we constantly hear. And in the most obscure places I've been in the world, we watch your, your YouTube videos. Kind of amazing to hear that. So here's some exciting news. You can now partner with us. You can be part of the process you can know that you're helping us get more materials out. Look, there's a lot of junk that needs refuting. And, and I am not God's policeman or God's answer man. In other words, I don't have the answer for everything, but God has raised me up in certain areas and given me wisdom and expertise. And we need to put out some videos 
and some series that really rebut some dangerous stuff online that that's spreading like cancer. You can see some of the effects of that cancer on the, the shooter that went to a synagogue last weekend and murdered one and wounded three others and would have murdered many more if he could have raised in a Christian home, church going kid somehow gets infected. You'd be almost sure it was online with garbage and lies and falsehoods and then carries out his act of evil. It's a lot of stuff that we can refute, rebut. We can do it with your help. We can do it with your help. And, and you say, I don't have a lot of money. I'm like, I'm not like a millionaire. I can't send you $10,000. Could you put aside change every day? So maybe $10 a month you could help us with. So I can't even do that. $5 a month. So I'm not. Sign me up for 50 a month. All right, here's what you do. Here's how you can partner with us. And it's specifically going to go to putting out videos. It's not going to go for any other thing we're doing in ministry. All right. It's going to go specifically to help us put out more videos. And we've got a bunch on Jewish related themes. We've got to get out cultural themes. We've got to get out and develop. So here's what you do. Go to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, patreon.com forward slash A-S-K-D-R Brown. We just launched this yesterday. We got our first 11. All right. Let's, let's get to a hundred today. Right, let's, let's see what we can do. Let's, let's boost this up. All right. Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, patreon.com forward slash A-S-K-D-R Brown. Now listen, if you can help us with $10 or more a month, you get special benefits too. Every week I'm recording a half hour bonus show. First one already recorded on, on how I learned to study the word with some funny stories and great practical advice for you. And then second one I did, how to have a blessed marriage and, and advice for singles too. And then we're doing a YouTube chat about an hour once a week where I'm just answering your YouTube questions. As soon as it's done live, we archive it. It's private, but you get to watch it. So go there now if you can, all right? Patreon.com forward slash ASK DR Brown, ask Dr. Brown and support us. Stand with us today and, and we're going to get a lot more done for the glory of God. 866-34-TRUTH. Ah, all right. I was ready to go. Okay, hang on, hang on. Uh, is this James on line one? Yes. All right, James in Phoenix. Okay, somehow uh, someone started to type over your name and you became Bon, B-O-N, from nowhere. <laughs> but uh, James from Phoenix. Hey, man, good to talk to you, buddy. What's up? Uh, yeah, I had a question uh, regarding uh, Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Yes, where sir. Paul is making the argument about uh, Christ being the promised seed. Yes. And his argument is saying that, you know, that's why it's seed in the singular and not seeds in the plural. That means he's speaking about Christ. So when I went back to the Old Testament, I was trying to find something like that because I never came across the plural form for seed. I was expecting to see something like Zeraim or something, but I couldn't find it. And when I Googled it, I came across some anti-missionary. He was saying, oh, you know, this is proof that Paul didn't know what he was talking about or exactly. that he was trying to trick the exactly. Gentiles because there's no such thing as yep. a full form for seed. And I was wondering if you can answer that for us. Yes, sir. Wonderful question, James. But let me tell you that James from Phoenix always has wonderful questions. So good job. And another good one. <laughs> I wrote a full-length scholarly article on this that will be coming out in a collection of articles next year, a scholarly book debunking replacement theology. This is one of the most common verses used in replacement theology, that the promises to Abraham and his seed are not to a plural seed, namely the people of Israel. So there are no promises for the people of Israel. 
The promises are to the seed, the one and only seed, namely the Messiah. So the only thing that matters is being in him. And there are no promises to the nation. All right. So what are the problems with that? Well, the argument doesn't work in Hebrew or Greek or English. That's the first thing. Uh, let's take a look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. I'm going to read it to you first in a translation that says seed, and then I'm going to read it to you in another translation. Uh, so uh, now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. It doesn't say and to seeds as of many, but as of one and to your seed, who is the Messiah. Okay, so it's the same thing, say, with the English word fish, that the fish in the sea, I'm not talking about one fish, I'm talking about many fish, right? Not just one fish, but many fish. When God says rule over the fish of the sea, well, that just means one fish, like a barracuda. No, no, it's fish is a collective noun, right? So it can refer to one fish, but if you say we caught a lot of fish, it's collective. The Hebrew word zera and the Greek word sperma, both of which Paul knew perfectly well, and his Galatian readers certainly knew the Greek, those are collective nouns. So when you talk about the seed of Abraham, it is a plural. And that's why he says your seed will be like the stars of the sky or like the dust of the earth for multitude. Okay? Everybody knows it's a collective noun. In fact, if you say zra'im, which is plural, that means seeds that you put in the ground. The first tractate of the Mishnah is zra'im, seeds you put in the ground. Otherwise, zera, it could refer to one specific child, right? He had no seed, meaning he didn't have a child. Or zera, same with sperma, meaning seed in terms of offspring. So when you read this in a, in a different translation, uh, so let's, I'm going to read Galatians 3.16, and I'm going to read it now in a different translation. You'll see at once that it doesn't work in Hebrew or in Greek or in English. So then we have to say, okay, Paul, what, what are you saying? Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one. There's no such word as offsprings. There's no such plural yeah. word. It's, it's a forced usage. All right, so everybody knows that. And at the end of the chapter, what does he say in Galatians 3.29? If you belong to the Messiah, you are Abraham's seed. So he knows it's collective. And, and in, in Romans, the 15th chapter, he uses it with reference to Abraham's plural seed. And you have verse after verse after verse after verse after verse after verse after verse in the Hebrew Bible referring to Abraham's seed in the plural, in the plural, in the plural, in the plural, and giving promises to them, to you, in the plural, to them, to you, in the plural. So everybody knows that. So what's he doing here? Two things. God said that through Abraham's seed, the whole world would be blessed. And Paul using what you would call a hyper-literal rabbinic exegesis, where they go beyond the plain sense of the text. He's making a homiletical point and saying that there's one ultimate seed, and that's the Messiah. And that's the one through whom the promises to Abraham are fulfilled. And that's his point. But then he tells us elsewhere, for example, in Romans 15, that the Messiah confirms the promises to the patriarchs, not cancels them. And then what is written in verse 17, this is what I mean, the law which came 430 years afterward, meaning after the promise to Abraham, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. So Paul's, Paul is not saying that the church is now Israel because the church is in Jesus. He's not saying that Jesus is now Israel, as some have 
try to to argue, uh, and, and that breaks down in, instantly in a thousand different levels. Uh, that Jesus is, is Israel. Jesus then need to be redeemed when it says all Israel will be saved. Does that mean all Jesus will be saved? I mean, obviously it breaks down instantly when you start to flesh it out. But his point is using a, again. Uh, a, a type of thinking and reasoning that would have been even something the Galatians may have been familiar with because of the influences on them. He's saying there's actually a seed among the seed. There, there is a preeminent seed, and that's the, that's the seed through whom God brings his promises and God fulfills his covenant. But he's not annulling the seed, plural, to whom all the promises were given and through whom God will still bring blessing. So it is a hyper-literal exegesis of some of the words that God spoke to Abraham and the patriarchs, focusing on one descendant, one preeminent seed. And then once he's made his point, he goes back to normal Hebrew Greek usage. And there's, there are even rabbinic arguments using similar words from a similar approach. Hey, thank you for the question. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Thanks for joining us, friends, on Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Hey, if you live anywhere near Fairfield, California, Northern California, we're having a very special weekend, five teaching sessions dealing with LGBT issues and people and the church. So if you can get out for any of these, there'll be some Q&A time as well, teaching, preaching, Q&A, Fairfield, California. Details on my website, org under itinerary, 866-34-TRUTH. Uh, before we go back to the phones, uh uh, you might have said, well, you know, Dr. Brown, I, you haven't you haven't weighed in on like the Mueller report. You haven't said a lot or the bar testimony hearing yesterday. Mike, how come you haven't done that? Uh, two reasons. One, it's, it's not my focus, not my burden, not my area of interest. There are things happen politically I comment on, but, th- but they tend to have a, a, a little bit different intersection with things I am interested and burdened about. So that's one reason. And the other is my suspicion is that you're not looking to, oh, well, you got to weigh in on that. We're waiting for your word on that. So just to confirm my suspicion, I, I tweeted out, uh, let, let me, let's see if, if you confirm my suspicions. Are you eagerly looking to me to weigh in on the Mueller report and the bar testimony? Or are you leaving that to others and expecting me to focus on other things? 82% said not looking to me on this. Only 18%. So that's, that's better than four to one, which is, Certainly what I thought and suspected. All right. The Jewish prayer book, the Siddur, it's a lot to go through, and I'm sure there are Jews who pray by rote. It's like there are Christians who pray by rote. There are Jews who pray by rote. There are Pentecostals who speak in tongues by rote. Okay? We can all do it by rote. When it's prayers written in a book that you grow up with, all the more you can do it, just race your way through, say it fast. On the other hand, it can have great and profound meaning to you. So let's take a look in the Jewish prayer book and see some of the prayers that a traditional Jew prays every day. And there's something called the Shemona Esrei, the the 18 benedictions, uh, also known as the Amidah, which is standing because it is recited 
while standing and it is in silent meditation. So uh, let's, let's just take a look at this. It begins with the words from the Psalms, Adonai Svatai Ufi Yagi O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. And then it starts off, each one on a different subject, starting with the patriarchs, Baruch HaTadonai Eloheinu 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 Abraham Eloheinu Yitzchak Eloheinu Yaakov HaElegadol Vagibor HaNarav Eloheinu So I'll read in English now, Blessed are you, Lord our God and God of our fathers, God of Abraham, God of Isaac, God of Jacob, the great, mighty, and awesome God, the most high God who bestows loving kindness and goodness and is master and creator of all, who remembers the good deeds of the fathers and brings a redeemer to their children in love and for the sake of his name. Uh, scroll down a little further. And then, Melech Hoser, Moshiach, Magain, Baruch HaTadonai, Magain, Abraham, King, Helper, Savior, and Shield. Blessed are you, O Lord, Shield of Abraham. And then the next focus is on Gvurah, Divine Might. You are mighty forever, O Lord. You revive the dead. You are mighty to save. Uh, and then uh, you maintain, you sustain the living with loving kindness. You revive the dead to life with great mercy. You support the fallen and you heal the sick. You free the captives and preserve your faith with those asleep in the dust. Who is like you, master of mighty deeds? Who can be compared to you, O King, who causes death and restores life and causes your salvation to sprout. Then the Neaman Metim Metim. You are faithful to restore the dead to life. Blessed are you, O Lord, who brings life to the dead. Then God's holiness, You are holy and your name is holy, and the holy ones praise your name every day. Blessed are you, O Lord. Uh, the Holy God. And there's some variations on different days of the year. You say it a little differently. Uh, scroll down. There's Kedushah, the sanctifying of God's name. Then there is uh, keep going uh, prayer for knowledge, atach, uh, in, in extolling God, prayer of repentance, hashivenu, avinu, the Torah techa, Return us, O Father, to your Torah and draw us near, O King, to your service. Cause us to return to you in perfect repentance before your face. Blessed are you, O Lord, who desires repentance. And then a prayer for forgiveness. Forgive us, O Father, for we have sinned. Pardon us, our king, for we have willfully transgressed. For you pardon and forgive, or you are pardoning and forgiving. Blessed are you, O Lord, who is gracious and ever willing to forgive. And then prayer for redemption. See our affliction and contend for our strife and redeem us quickly for the sake of your name, for you are a strong redeemer. Blessed are you, O Lord, redeemer of Israel. Let's keep going. And these are prayed daily, sacred prayers. Prayer for healing. Heal us, O Lord, and we'll be healed. From Jeremiah. Heal us, O Lord, and we'll be healed. Save us and we'll be saved. For you are praised. Bring complete healing to our wounds. And then it confesses God. For you, God and King, the faithful and merciful healer. Blessed are you, O Lord, who heals the sick of his people, Israel. Then prayer for prosperity, and blessing, then prayer for the gathering of the exiles, 
prayer for justice, all right? Uh, prayer against one's enemies, for the slanderers, may there be hope, may all wickedness be destroyed. Prayer for the righteous, that they'll be blessed, that they'll be, they'll be blessed. Let's keep scrolling down, all right? And then, uh, let's see, keep going, keep going. Prayer for the rebuilding of Jerusalem. To Jerusalem, your city, may you return with mercy and dwell in the midst of it. And then the prayer for the Messiah, the prayer for the kingdom of David. Cause to sprout the branch, the offspring of your servant David. Uh, let his horn, his glory be raised up by your salvation. So we, we wait for your salvation all the day. Baruch Blessed are you, O Lord, who causes the horn, the glory of salvation, to flourish. All right, so we could keep going, but I don't know how you feel when you read those words or hear those words, but it's very moving to me because there are hundreds of thousands of traditional Jews, millions through the ages, who prayed those prayers daily. We prayed those prayers multiple times a day. We prayed those prayers sometimes with tears. Who will who will wake up in the middle of the night to mourn the destruction of Jerusalem? Some who will pray through the the book of Psalms every day. And and as I I remember in the mid nineteen eighties, I I took out Sidur the prayer book that I had in my home, and I'd never prayed through it much. Again, growing up in a non traditional home. Rabbinic literature I'd studied was, you know, very kind of legalistic and off-putting to me. And then I'm in constant conflict with the rabbis and things like that. But, but as, I, as I read the words, I was stirred. I, I was overwhelmed with burden. That some of the material in our book, Our Hands Are Stained With Blood, no people is so near and yet so far. When I'm in Jerusalem, I'll, I'll, I'll always go to the, to the Kotel if I have time to do it, to the wall, the Western Wall. And sometimes if they're traditional Jews praying, I'll, I'll just pray side by side with them. And sometimes they're praying with, with passion and crying out and, and praying through their prayers and beating their chest. And, you, and yeah, some are legalistic, some are hypocritical. I understand that. Some are just going through the motions. Quite a few are sincere and their hearts are breaking for redemption, for the coming of the Messiah. And I'm praying next to them, oh God, open their eyes to see Messiah. No people so near and yet so far. And ironically, those would be the very people that would oppose me the most vigorously in Israel. And there are certain areas in Israel I could start preaching Jesus and it could cost me my life. It would be, it would be a provocation and it, it would create such an uproar that, that I could get a crowd. And next thing, if I kept preaching, they, I'd get beaten up. It could happen. I understand that. So you've got this, you've got this tension of people who absolutely would oppose me and look at me as public enemy. Number one, because I'm sharing Jesus Yeshua with Jewish people and urging them to turn to him. On the other hand, they're praying fervently for redemption. They're praying daily for, for God's mercy. They're confessing his holiness and his goodness and his righteousness. And they're saying, forgive us and cleanse us and help us to have a heart to serve you and obey you. It's, it's a, a great tension and pain on the inside that I feel. And with your prayers, we keep making a difference in reaching Jewish people with the good news. 866-34-TRUTH. Let's go to... Massachusetts, Emmanuel. Thanks for holding. Welcome to the line of fire. Uh, hey, good afternoon, Doctor Brown. Good afternoon, sir. Uh, I really love your program. Uh, my question is in regard of the relationship between.
the law of Moses and the Gentile and the Jewish believer in Jesus. Yes, what sir. Is, what, what is my responsibility uh, as a Gentile? Yes, sir. Uh, and all those commandments in the five book of Moses. Yes. Yeah, so Emmanuel, I, I've got a whole show where I go through a lot of this. Uh, it may air this Tuesday, otherwise a week from Thursday. But let me give you the short version, all right? You are not under the Sinai Covenant. As a New Testament follower of Jesus, you are not under the Sinai Covenant. Number one, that was given for Israel and the Jewish people. Number two, we now have a new and better covenant. So everything in the Torah you learn from, you grow by, not a single word or syllable is wasted. You learn about God's holiness. You, you learn about his order. You learn about his wrath. You learn about his mercy. You see how the Torah points to Jesus, Yeshua. And then you learn from the rest of the Old Testament, Proverbs, you pray the Psalms, you learn from the words of the prophets, and you apply all of these things, the principles to your life, and then you are specifically required to keep what's laid out in the New Testament. And if it's from the Old Testament and relevant for today, it will be reiterated. It will be repeated. It will be reemphasized in the New Testament. So that's what you look at. Learn from all of it. Learn principles from it. Romans 15, 4, this is for our encouragement and hope. 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 11, these are warnings to, to cause us to stand, but specifically commandments, requirements, they'll be reiterated in the New Testament. That's what you live by, and you're not under the rest. Hey, thank you for calling, Emmanuel. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Welcome, friends, to Thoroughly Jewish Thursday. Hey, exciting news and a great way for you to partner with us. We're now on Patreon. And that means that every month you can stand with us. Maybe you just put aside some change a day and, and, and get up to $10 a month. Uh, if it's less than that, great. If it's more than that, wonderful. But this is going to enable us to devote more time and energy to producing the videos that you want us to produce and are looking to us to produce and, and, and series that will refute some of the the nonsense that's online, areas we specialize in. So we just launched it yesterday. You can be in the very first few that join us. Go to patreon.com forward slash Brown. Ask Dr. Brown. If you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, we have a link there for you, all right? And uh, those that partner with at least $10 or more per month, you get special benefits. We have special videos that, that you get to watch that no one else gets to watch that you get to watch that we prepared. So some bonus shows and things like that. So take advantage of it, partner with us, but whatever you can do, do something. And if enough of you do it, then we'll be able to meet our goals and, and get even more rich material out to you. Thank you for your partnership and God will bless you for it too. He's faithful to do that. He repays 
in many different ways. 866-34-TRUTH. We go to Lucas in Seattle. Welcome to The Line of Fire. Hey, Dr. Brown. Thank you for taking my call. I appreciate it. Sure. I think you're, yeah, I think you're a great man. I don't, I don't, please, I, I was worried about this with the, with the screener that you're going to think this is the wrong type of call, that I'm an anti-Semite or something like that. Um, sorry, I'm really nervous. But uh, the question I had is, um, so I, it was two-part. If I have enough time to do the second one, don't worry about it. It's fine. But the first one is something I know a little bit more about. So I'm an Army veteran, and uh, I'm, I'm an anti-war activist. And the thing is, is I have no problem with religious Jews. I have religious Jews, and my one of my best friends is mom is the and it's to the mom. She's the rabbi at her form temple in Temple Benai in Bellevue. But anyway, Bellevue, Washington. So, so no she wouldn't be considered, by the way, a, a religious Jew. Religious Jew would be very conservative. Religious Jew wouldn't even consider her to be a practicing Judaism because she's reformed. Probably true. Yeah, yeah. But but anyway, yeah, so just for just for clarity, your religious Jew is is quite on the other side of that. But but go ahead, please, Lucas. <laughs> Fair enough. She always jokes that her, her yarmulke has a tie-dye. So, so anyway, long story short, uh, one thing that I do have a problem with, though, is secular uh, Jewish nationalism. That's the only way I can interpret it. That's the only—I don't know how else to interpret it, which is and why I, I can't join a Zionist Christian church because, for example, Pastor Hagee, how—it is our foreign policy, the U.S. foreign policy, and which is completely in line with Israeli foreign policy, is absolutely wicked, and it's unchristian. I mean, it's conquest. It's about stealing resources. It's about it's about geopolitics. It's called oil. Um, which is well, let's let's just focus on Israel. Let's focus on Israel itself. Sure. Okay, isn't the goal of Israel simply to survive within its borders? Isn't isn't that Israel's goal to have a homeland, a Jewish state, where people are treated fairly? Where you know, for example, the Arab population living in Israel has grown from 1948 when it was 200,000 now to uh, over one and a half million with more liberties than any other Arab peoples have in the Middle East. Isn't that Israel's goal? I mean, you think Israel enjoys mandatory military service for all of its sons and daughters and spending so much money on military budget and having to be on alert for terrorism all the time. And it's just trying to, it's not, it's not looking to conquer anything. It's just looking to, to live safely. Is, is that wrong? It's absolutely not, and I wouldn't have any problem with that. I mean, even when I mean, I, that's not the problem that I have. What I have a problem with is the Richard Pearl's clean break plan or Oded Yunan's plan, which is to exactly what's going on in the Middle East right now has been planned since the '80s. Every bit of it, which is the stoke up extremism. I mean, you could even make an argument there has there is documents to say that Hamas was actually promoted by Israel to to get you know to be a a counterbalance to the PLO. Um, so we're stoking up extremism. Iraq was already in the works. Um, right, but, 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 but Lucas, Lucas, what does that have to do with if you have someone with a strategy here or a strategy there or an alleged strategy? What is it? Zionism is that God brought the Jewish people back to the land and that they have a right to have a homeland and that this is the plan of God and they want to live in peace with their neighbors. That's Zionism. Why is that so difficult they, that, for you? That, but you got imperfect. Not, you, you have you. You have imperfect human beings, right? I mean, you shouldn't live in America. You shouldn't be a citizen. You should leave because all of America's imperfections. You should just live on an island somewhere by yourself because every nation makes mistakes and has good qualities, bad qualities. But doesn't the Bible say that God would preserve us and bring us back to the land and establish us, not because of our goodness, because of his promises? That's your issue. It's yeah. an issue with God because he's the one who did it. Okay, I, but I have an issue with the people. I have an issue with the Likud party and our and our Christian support of it, which is 
the constant warfare, constant bombing, the constant bloodshed. Well, it's not bombing. It's, mean, it's self-defense. It's self. There's no aggression to take out anybody. The extremism here. Go, go back to before Israel When's was a state. When's the last time Israel was attacked, except for since 1960s? When's the last time Israel was, was Constantly. Was attacked? And I, every every day. Lucas, every, you know, there are hundreds of thousands of missiles aimed at Israel as I speak to you. There are attempts, terrorist attacks that are thwarted by the hundreds every single month. And I guess the thousands of Israelis who've been killed in the intifadas and the children blown up and that on an, on an ongoing basis and people stabbed and butchered, that doesn't amount to enough because it's, it's not actually a, a war. Let me take this further. Do a little historical research and find out about the extreme Islamic hatred of the Jewish people before there was a state of Israel. Go back to Haji Amin al-Husseini and, and his intifada against Israel and, and his working together with Adolf Hitler before the nation of Israel existed. This is, you're not going to blame that on Jewish people in, inciting it. An Iranian Jew hatred, an Iranian support of Hezbollah, and on and on. That's, that's the Jewish people would love to live in peace with their neighbors. That's what they long for. When they have neighbors that want to kill them and destroy them, yes, they will fight back aggressively. Okay, so I'm, I'm not going to defend Islam extremism. I've studied, I've studied Islam there. It, it's absolutely there. I mean, you could also make the argument, you could quote thousands of rabbis who said things like, There's, it's not a sin to kill these two-legged beasts. And, I mean, you oh, tell, tell you what, quote, quote me one. L- Lucas, quote me one. You said you can quote thousands of I, rabbis. I, I Call me okay, one. I, I, I promise you I'll follow up. I, I promise you. I give you my word. I will follow up with you. On the, I will send you an email. Uh, all right. Prepared. You will not find thousands of rabbis. You might find an extremist. <laughs> you might find it. Right, right. But see, Lucas, I'm trying to deal with truth, and you're dealing with myth and exaggeration and demonizing of a people, and, and you can't simply accept. Here, here. after the Holocaust, two out, two, out of three, two out of three Jews slaughtered in Europe, two out of every three, three million out of 3.3 million Polish Jews slaughtered. The Jewish people need a homeland from the day they got from the 47. When the UN announced the partition plan, they were under attack and Jews were getting slaughtered and 48 with the official announcing of independence, Jews were under attack and getting slaughtered. It's only by the grace and mercy of God that we have been preserved. Are the Jewish people perfect? No. Was anyone in the Bible perfect? No. Look at David's sins. Look at his transgressions. And on and on. It's because of God's mercy and goodness. And you can be a critic of... My, look, the, the worst critics of Likud live in Israel. They're Israeli Jews, okay? Israel yes, is a total... Yes. No, no, no. Not Ashkenazi Jews. It's not even Ashkenazi versus Sephardic. It's unrelated to that. I'm talking about the leftist parties. I'm talking about the organizations like Merits that just exist to, to criticize the government. I'm talking about major publications like Haaretz newspaper that's been there from the beginning. That's a constant left-wing oh, critic yeah. of the government. Israel is quite diverse. But you're saying, no, the Jews don't get a homeland. No, the Jews don't get to defend themselves. And God, and God doesn't get to keep his word. That's what you're telling me. That's not what I'm saying. I do believe in a Jewish to have a homeland. I, do, I am not anti-Israel. I'm just... What, I'm, what I'm upset with is the warlike nature of some of the people, not Israel. I believe Israel has a right to exist. If I was the king of the world, what I would say is create a Palestine state, 
create an Israel state. Israel can be bigger. That's fine. And if Palestine bombs you, you can wipe them out. But until then, give them their own state and just see what happens. Because right now you're on. Okay, so we saw what happened with Gaza. That's why you're not the king of the world and I'm not the king of the world, sir. We saw what happened with (laughs) Gaza. All right. Israel gave it unconditionally over to the Palestinians. They uprooted their own people at a great, it was an agonizing thing. I mean, they, Israeli soldiers pulling their own people out of homes they built and vineyards they built and synagogues they built, literally ripping them out, several thousand people, and then putting them in a tent city in Israel to this Palestinians say, have at it. And what do they do? What do they do? They elect Hamas. They put Hamas in power. And then they get bombed on a regular basis and, and they've got people trying to break down the barriers and, 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 and Hamas leaders saying we're going to eat your, we're going to kill you and eat your hearts and so on. That's what we want to do. That's what Israel got for doing that. The problem is the corrupt Palestinian leadership. Do you know that the peace plan that was offered, the partition plan, where the Palestinians, the Arabs then, would get a much bigger part, Israel a very small part in the 1930s by the League of Nations, the Arab leadership rejected it. The Arab leadership rejected the two-state solution in 47, 48, all right? And they have continued to reject solutions. So it does not seem viable to have a two-state solution. But if Israel wanted to obliterate the Palestinians with all the, the military power it has, it could do that in a heartbeat, Lucas, and they don't. Why? The issue is self-defense. You need to re-examine. You're listening to a lot of stuff that's giving you a wrong impression. And here's your biggest question. Did God bring the Jewish people back to the land? The answer is yes. That's why I'm a Zionist. I don't support everything does. Israel does. Israel can be criticized, but God brought them back. Hey, sorry I couldn't get to more calls. It was important to take this. If you call tomorrow, we'll put you at the top of the list. God bless you.